boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Another week where I'm not in studio, which this week is not my fault. Chris, uh, producer Chris is contagious. Contagious producer Chris. And because of that, he didn't want me to come in to studio, even though there's a very good chance that I couldn't catch what you've got because I just got over it. Well, I'm still getting over what I had, which was COVID. And then I still have the odd symptom like that stupid cough. I still have it. Yeah. But Chris, you haven't been feeling well. You sound like you're dying. Uh, and tell us about your, in, in 10 words or less, tell us about your cold. Well, I'm not going to do that with the 10 words or less, but I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was crazy. It was bananas. I felt yeah, like garbage. Words. And, uh, yeah, I'm coming out of it now, but I just wanted to make sure that you, I know that you've been dealing with, you know, the repercussions of having COVID and I didn't want to exacerbate that by possibly giving you, you know, I didn't have COVID. I did test, but I had, I believe I had bronchitis and, um, I went and got some antibiotics today from a doctor and, and she seemed to confirm my suspicion, but she said it's on its way out and she thought maybe by the weekend I'd be back to normal. So, Okay, good. Well, you're not going to die, so that's all we have to talk about that. Sorry to be insensitive. No. I know you were a lot I'm more used sensitive to that, Mike. I'm used to you it. being insensitive. Okay, there you go. <laughs> um, what a week it's been in wrestling again. There was a sellout after sellout. So Primo's did their show last Friday with Davey Boy Smith Jr. I guess it's 10 days ago now. With Davey Boy Smith Jr. It was uh, Mark Merrick and Davey Boy Smith Jr. against uh, Robbie Royce and ATM. Team Impact, or I guess maybe they're calling themselves the gods of tag team or something. Yeah. Um, but they filled out. I've heard I've heard different numbers. I heard it was two thirty. I heard it was over two, and then I heard it was just under two. But the promoters calling it a sellout, which is always good news. And last week we had uh, WPW, which was on Thursday night, which was in a bad storm or it was bad weather. That's why I didn't make it out. And and then CWE and Danny Duggan, they had their uh, anniversary show. And by my math, it was their 14th anniversary show because they started in 2009. So um, healthy. The local industry is healthier than ever. Actually, independent wrestling everywhere is healthy. You know who I talked to? I talked to the promoter out in, in um, Calgary, Edmonton. Steven Uischuk, he runs Real Canadian Wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah. He runs, bi- he runs bi-weekly in Calgary, and Friday night was his third consecutive sellout. So three shows in six weeks, all sellouts. Now, this, again, these are, attendances aren't the largest, but let me tell you, promoters love to be able to say the word sellout, even if it was, they would prefer to say sellout, especially when they're in a small venue, than say, hey, we need more support from the fans. And, and in Winnipeg, in Winnipeg, it's about to get interesting, and I'll tell you why. So there's three companies right now going strong, and that's WPW, Primos, and CWE. And last summer, there was a company that dabbled named 3D Pro Wrestling, and I think they ran two or three events. And then the promoter abruptly announced he was shutting down. Well, new year and I guess new mindset because yeah. he's announced he's going to bring it back. 3D Pro Wrestling is coming back. And um, I think it's a good move. I think he's going to find, though, that he's going to have lost all of his momentum by that shutdown. If he knew, I guess it was September when he announced he was done. If he knew in four months he was going to have regrets, he should have just said, oh, I'm taking a few months off before my next event. Because by saying shutdown and restart, he's going to have a bitch of a time getting the people behind him again, don't you think? Uh, that, yeah, 100%. That's true. And it's, it's a Vince McMahon move. I'm retired. I'm back in four months. Um, oh, I don't think you can compare the promoter of 3D <laughs> Pro Wrestling to the success of Vince McMahon. Cer- certainly not, but, but I'm excited to see 3D Pro come back because they did put on some good events. I saw uh, from some pictures that, you know, they are putting forth their best effort. And I believe, I don't know exactly what happened with 3D Pro, but it seemed like the final event that they had did not do as well as they hoped. And it just kind of, mm-hmm. they just kind of shut it down from there. Now, I am just speculating here, of course. No, you are speculating because they had the event. Then they started to announce other dates and other venues like they had momentum. And then I think what happened was 
I think the promoter got cold feet and that, that's going to happen, right? I think the promoter started to say, oh man, the prices are, your costs are going up. I'm going to be, the outlay here to make this happen is a little scary for me. I think that's what happened. I don't think the second show wasn't successful. I think he was set up pretty good. Both shows had about 200 people, healthy gates probably because he was charging over $20 a ticket. Yeah. So, so Winnipeg's going to have four people trying to get a piece of the pie. Now, any pie I've ever had has six slices, right? You got it. Yeah, unless you cut them tight and then you're like really small, you might get eight, eight slices. So how are four people going to reach for six slices and feel like they've had enough? I don't see it happening. It's going to be very interesting. And I will tell you this, the winner in all this is not going to be the wrestlers who have four different people to, to work for. And there are going to be wrestlers who wrestle for all four, but it's going to be the wrestling fans who are going to see those promoters have to be creative and have to increase the value they offer for the dollars they charge. So, and I've been talking to wrestling fans in Winnipeg and it's really digging down. And I've been asking which promote, which show runs the best, which one do you like the most? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to share it because in some cases it's, it's private conversations. And the other thing is I don't want promoters saying, Oh, that's Davidson putting his spin on a conversation he had with one or two or three fans. Right. But what I will say is if you look at the attendances, it would seem to indicate that the attendances are reflective of the overall opinion. So what I'm saying is the companies that are drawing the most fans are the ones that the people are saying they like the most. Yeah. And, and, the way to- and it bears mentioning too, because I I'm sure that there's people out there that think, Oh, uh, you know, B she's wrestling. They favor so-and-so promotion. <laughs> they favor this promotion. We don't favor anybody. We've got no horse in this fight except for the fans. We want the fans to have the best yeah. shows possible. And so we, we, we support everybody. You know, if XYZ promoter starts up tomorrow and they're putting forth a good product, we will talk about it. We will promote it. So, you heard me say positives and negatives of every company, right? Absolutely. The one that I, so like, I don't have a favorite. I love that there's four guys out there for, well, in some cases there's partnerships running, but um, I like that there's four companies sitting there fighting hard to get as many fans as they can. It's a wrestling fans dream. Now wrestlers are going to wrestle for all four. And it's going to, I think, I think that that's going to start to wear on fans when they're saying, the same guy wrestle all four shows. Yeah, and so before, the challenge is from. Sorry, sorry, before we move on from that as well, I just I wanted to ask you about that challenge specifically, and this sort of dovetails together. It's not fully related, but it is related. Do you think? Because we talked last week, I believe it was about how it's uh, the back behind the scenes is a little bit of a pressure cooker. There is a little bit of animosity, perhaps, or maybe just competition between the promotions is this going to turn up the pressure cooker having you know somebody else in the mix is it going to get hotter yeah of course it will because now you're going to see that someone is going to step up out of the pack and be even stronger um the interesting thing for me would be is if primos decides to run bi-weekly or or weekly like he talked about when he was on our show a couple weeks ago if he goes that route that's going to be interesting because that's either going to dilute his show down to nothing or it's going to have wrestlers wanting to work for him because they can get more dates. But again, if the wrestler wants to get the most dates, they got to work for Danny because Danny runs clusters of three or four or five shows. Um, I don't know how it's going to play out, but I know I've never seen four wrestling companies in Winnipeg all succeeding. I've seen three or four try, and there's usually one clear head and shoulders leader of the pack. And then a second one who's throwing stones at that leader because, oh, you know, whatever, because that used to be the local wrestling politics. Oh, he's papering his house or he's inflating his numbers or yeah. or whatever, right? Like I used to hear that all the time. When Bobby and Ernie used to go head to head, they were constantly at each other's throats. When Andrew and I ran head to head in 2005, it was Andrew saying, well, you know, his fans were better than the AWE fans because AWE fans were... Um, more mainstream and he had the more dedicated hardcore fans. And I never understood that argument. So I had more mainstream fans and he had the hardcore fans. Well, let me tell you as a promoter, I want the mainstream fans. All right. They're, I, I want to put the you in the spot here. I want to put you in the spot okay. right, right off the bat here. You talked about, uh, uh, about Primo's possibly running weekly. Is it really viable 
do you think in this day and age? I mean, I know I'm putting you on the spot, and we're not <laughs> we're not talking bad about about them at all. But is it a viable yeah. option? I I I would say hell, no. Hell no. It, for one, I wouldn't want to give up this every Friday night to run a weekly wrestling show, right? I can't imagine being a dedicated fan and going every single week. I could see myself going once a month. I could see myself maybe going once every two weeks if I'm really entrenched in the program. See, when wrestling worked weekly in Winnipeg in the bars, technology wasn't what it was, right? You didn't have the streaming. Like, there was no such thing as Netflix in 2005 and, and all the way back to 2002, 2001. Um, so, no, I, I don't think you're going to be able to pull off weekly but he seemed to think he could and it would be an interesting move i'd be very interested to see how that worked um i I just think it's i think right now you're going to see the companies really really try to be different than each other which is going to be interesting if mentalo works for two or three of them and aj works for two or three of them and you know and they're not the only two and there's a lot of guys that are trying to work all four of them so if they're going to do that, how in the world does the promoter present them differently to draw more? I just don't see how you can do it. But it's going to be interesting. Guys are going to be creative, and when they're creative and, and competitive, it's good for the fans. Yeah, I suppose that this this part would be something I would have to ask him. But if he was running weekly, would he be bringing in the name once a month as sort of a blow off show, like a pay per view style situation? Because he can't bring in names all the time, obviously, and fans have sort of become accustomed to seeing at least an, you know, somebody recognizable name wise on a show. Well, you're, you're just going to have that. You have a name, you get 200 people when you don't have a name, you have 70. That's not good. That's not exactly good either. Um, I think the only one who's committed to always having a name on a, on his show is CWE Danny. And I, like I say something positive, something negative, about everyone, one of Danny's big mistakes is he brings in the name, the job out to the local guy, never understood it. It's the wrong way to do it. Uh, it's like, imagine you went to a, um, you went to the, an eighties, uh, band came to town and, uh, I don't know. And they play the bars. So let's say it would be like Sebastian Bach and Skid Row. Sure. I don't know. Are they still alive? I, I think yes, they are. I they hope are. They are. Sebastian Bach is alive. Yes. Okay. Good. Good. If I, it's the guy from Warren who died, but we're going to say Sebastian Bach. Skid Row. And let's say that there, everyone wants to come see Sebastian Bach. Okay. So they're out on stage, they're singing 18 in life, they're singing I Remember You, they're singing Rattlesnake Shake, listen to me, just drop songs, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the local band that opened up for them decides they're going to come out and upstage them and come out and, and they take over the stage and play their own song, right? Well, the fans are going to leave going, what the, what was that? Why, why would this happen, right? Yeah. If you, and what I'm trying to compare it to is, if you're going to advertise, hey, we've got Rhino coming. Hey, we've got Cowboy James Storm coming. Don't have Adam Knight pin James Storm. It didn't make Adam Knight one ounce stronger. All it did is all those people were like, oh, I'm excited. James Storm's coming to town. And they go and they buy their ticket and they get excited. They get their picture with James Storm. Then they get James Storm in the ring and he jobs to Adam Knight who was never qualified to pin James Storm. Then they go, oh. And you know what? Next time they hear that there's that a guy they like is coming to town, let's say it's Matt Taven, let's say it's um, Carlito, let's say it's Chris Masters, whoever it might be, they're like, oh, it's CWE. They're just going to have the guy that he's wrestling beat him, and 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 that's not good either, right? So that's my that's my grievance on. Well, see, I'll say I'll put every. Here's what we're going to do: quick exercise. Sure. I'm going to put over every company, and then I'm going to say something bad about them. So Danny brings in a big name every show. Kudos to him. Works his ass off. He runs the biggest geographical territory and he works himself to the bone to be successful. His drawback is when it comes to booking, he has a really weird fetish with having big names lose to locals. And I will never understand it. It's a sick fetish. It's like those guys who like to have women walk on, like Tony Atlas likes to have women walk on his face with their feet. That's Danny's fetish is locals pinning big names. Okay, so fetish, fetish aside. Uh, is it is that is that sort of style of booking? Is that something that's left over from the territories? If that's his psychology to it, it's been proven very antiquated and very out of date, right? Okay, fair so, enough. So, yeah. Okay, so moving on now. Uh, who do you want next of the four? WPW uh, Primos. Let's uh, let's do WPW. 
Okay, so WPW. In my opinion, the strength of their company is they've got Ben who focuses on promoting and, and being really strong in the business end. And they've got Devin who focuses on the talent and creative. Um, I think they get the most out of, out of their venue, out of their advertising, out of their marketing. They're sold out days after they announce an event. So I think most of what they're doing is a very, very strong presentation. If they do something wrong, um, give me a second here to decide it. Uh, they, they've got a healthy ticket price that people are willing to pay if they're sold out. So that, I'm not going to say that's the, the negative. I think the, the one negative that they might want to avoid, or one, one thing that they may want to approve on, it's not necessarily a negative. They need, if they're selling out, they need to consider, can they increase the schedule a little bit? Because if you're going to go bi-monthly and that's only six events a year, could you have, if you had the demand, could you have gone to nine events a year? Could you have gone to 12 events a year? So I think they need to increase their schedule a little bit. That would be the negative on them. Right. And I, 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 I would agree with that. I think the, the in, as far as increasing goes, you, you kind of nailed it. Just do it slowly. Go to not, don't just jump to 12, jump to nine, then jump to 12 and, you know, bring your fans along with you. Yeah, I have a feeling that that's what they have planned to do anyway. Okay, next one. Uh, 3D Pro, I guess. Okay, so 3D Pro, I I didn't think that... I wasn't a big fan of what they were trying to do in the summer, personally. I thought that for your first show, you're charging 20 or 25. Um, I wasn't sure about their product. I didn't see it, so I can't say. But they're running in the Legion on Osborne, and I, I wasn't sure if that was a nice venue or not. I didn't see it. I don't know for sure. Um, but what they seemed to do well is they had good graphics, good, good graphic design, and they were able to create a hype on their event for two events, and they had two successful events. No matter what was going on in this guy's life, the promoter, I think his name is Shane, saying that you're shutting it down and killing your social media, only to decide four months later, oh, I missed it, I want to go back. You now have a credibility gap with the average ticket buyer. Right, I know because I was I, I was there with AWE when we ran some great shows, and then we went to put for a little while, and then uh, WFX we ran a great show. Sunny comes in in March of 2008, over a thousand people, and then we don't run again until 2010. Right? People people are like, well, there's got to be something wrong. Why you wanted out? Right? Yeah. So I think he's going to have to rebuild his credibility and do so pretty quick. I think what happened was he decided he wasn't going to run anymore. Everyone, all the wrestlers were like, Hey man, you were doing it right. You got to get back. At, you got to get back at it. And I think that's what he, but he's decided he's coming back. And I would imagine he'll have a date to announce sooner rather than later. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Him re-entering the, the landscape changed everything a little bit because all those promoters are bragging about sellout. I don't think that you're going to see shows continue to be 200, 250, 300, 350 if there's four running the same town with the exact same talent. I, I think he has a un, very unique opportunity in front of him. Like this is a very unique oh. opportunity. Be, What's be, the be, unique opportunity? The unique opportunity is the mystique that he went away and he came back. And I know that you, with the average ticket buyer, you mentioned the fact that they might, you know, think this is a fly by night promotion, but if he can come back strong with a good event that looks good and, you know, has good matches, has good guys on it, I think he can. I think he can grab that credibility back in a hurry, and then he can be a player amongst all four of those. He could be number one or number two, or you know, somewhere in there. I, well, I'm not going to rate him, but you know, yeah. And an interesting part of that too is he actually might be able to benefit from fans saying, "Oh, I'm going to support him more because I don't want him to feel overwhelmed and shut and stop again." Exactly. So fans might say, "Oh, I'm going to take. I'm going to make sure that I support him." Uh, but that's what I'm, that's what I see as the negative there. And then that leaves Primo. Primos. And, and what I see with Primos is, um, he's so, he's always a promoter. Like if you ever talk to Graham, he is always promoting, 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 whether he's promoting a store, whether he's promoting, um, anything. I, one time I saw him doing videos promoting that he had a Bitcoin ATM and he, you know, and now he's going to promote that his show is a sellout and, He's got a vision for bigger and better things. I think the bad thing when you promote, promote, promote nonstop, sometimes you might look greasy, right? There's got to be a human element to the promoter. So a lot of promoters have this problem. You got, there's got to be a genuine voice behind the action. 
or you're just promoting for the sake of promoting and always working the people and the people will eventually catch on and they will shut you down. And that's what I think uh, Graham's really going to watch. He's got to properly value the fans. He's got to, the fans have a voice. And I used to have this when I ran weekly for PCW and when AWE, the fans are going to tell you their opinion. And sometimes you don't like it because it's critical of what you're doing, but they bought a ticket and you, and you will be better for listening to what they're telling you. And if you get the common trend of what everyone is saying should be better or what's the problem, you can then fix it. But I think the problem with Graham is Graham is the problem. He's also the reason they're successful, but he's also the reason that they're going to struggle for credibility. I, I pull for the guy. I think he's the dark horse because I think he might be the most creative and probably he might have, he might have a special kind of work ethic that means he might blow up Winnipeg with success, but it remains to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that covers our, our local uh, promotions here. One thing that kind of popped to mind while we were talking about it, and because you mentioned CWE and the fact that they have their, they have their trap line of places that they go when they hit um, touring. I was just thinking, yeah. you know, I would really love to see somebody like Top Talent do that. Well, I think the thing with Top Talent is every time I've ever talked to Justin uh, Harlan Abbott, is he um, he's pretty set on this is an extension of his wrestling school and used to market his wrestling school. I don't think he's got a, a burning desire to get out on the road and try to run six or seven markets. I think he's very happy running his Edmonton show his way in a beautiful venue where he can say that's the greatest show you're going to see in Western Canada. And he might be right when he says that. I don't know how that compares to the venue and uh, the WPW run. Sure. It's amazing that a venue can have that much effect on the presentation of a show, but it definitely does. So I don't think you're going to see Je- Je- uh, heavy metal uh, Harlan Abbott decide he's going to start touring top talent. I think he's pretty happy doing what he's doing right now. All right, there we go. We've covered it. Something else I wanted to talk about, though. All right, let's do it. Was changing subjects on you because you know I I like to do that. Uh, I watched both Monday Night Raw and when uh, Dynamite on Wednesday this week. That's, I think that's the first week I've ever done that. Yeah, well, we were talking off the air, and I was telling you I did the same thing, and like I haven't watched Raw in so long because I, I just find some of it interminable. Especially uh, like I love the Bloodline segments, but their intro is so long that I just, I can't sit through it. So, but I did, I did a watch raw and I watched, uh, all elite wrestling. What were your thoughts? All elite was the better show. Uh, action and ready in my opinion is going to be a star. Some people criticize the way he cuts his promo. Um, I really liked what they did. Uh, I thought that they should have given Mark Briscoe and, uh, Jay lethal more time. Uh, I think they ended up cutting them a little short on time. Um, I thought the program was fantastic. I really do. I thought that they hit a home run. They have a, a value on their show that it's so chaotic that anything can happen at any given minute because yes. it doesn't look polished, refined, or overproduced. And to that, to their credit, that's a very, very significant value compared to WWE. Yeah. WWE is same. It's still very shiny. Very, very bright, very, very, like, it's almost like they have for three weeks mastered the script and they're walking step, step it by step into what the script is and they're delivering it the exact same, the exact way it was written, exactly the way the producer wants it. Wrestling isn't very good when it's exactly as produced. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more because I did watch both the shows, like I said, uh, the Mark Briscoe thing, I thought the match was good though. Um, really, oh, it was really good, good. and I I'm, they, I'm hoping he sticks on the roster. It sounds like he's going to. Yeah, I, that's an interesting one too because uh, it seemed like TBS was a hundred percent against having him anywhere near their TV set. Um, obviously, there was a discussion or communication or a negotiation, and Tony Khan was able to get his way. But um, I think that allowed them to do it right. I think they I think they delivered with that match. Yeah, I, I, the issue was actually with Jay that they had, and you know, with him being gone, I think they finally let up a little bit, and and we can dig into that too because they did get inundated with a lot of, uh, I don't know if I would say hate mail, but a lot of people upset by the fact that they would not honor 
um, Jay Briscoe when they were putting forth a program by Dana White called uh, Power Slap Challenge, where it's just people concussing each other, essentially. Wait a minute. Yeah. What? What is? You lost me. What is Power Slap Challenge? It's two guys. There's no defense. You stand there, and one person gets to slap you, and then you get to respond. And the the winner is the one who's not. Uh, you know, drooling on the floor like a vegetable. It's the stupidest. And you said Dana White does this? Dana White does this three weeks specifically after a video surfaced of him slapping his wife on New Year's Eve. Why did he slap his wife on New Year's Eve? Was it like uh, You'd have to ask domestic him. abuse? Yeah, domestic abuse. Was it domestic abuse? It was, yeah. And uh, Okay, that's, and he's, how is he keeping his job with UFC? He's, he's, well, I don't know how, how it's, it's like, like, this is a new thing, right? This is a new, this is a new, this is a developing story. I don't know. You'd have to ask him, but he's come out and said, you know, yeah, like this happened, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know what's going on with that part of it. But the fact that they're, they were willing to put that on a Turner network where guys are just getting concussed for no reason. There's no, that's not a sport. Is that a night in this by chance? Oh my God. I, I didn't even tie that together. Whole new career. Yes. Well, he'd get his he'd get his ass handed to him because he he doesn't hit very hard and he'd get hit and he he'd be knocked flat in his ass. Yeah, like yeah. He if, would, if he had to slap he, against somebody his size, perhaps, yeah. He'd probably be dumb enough to wear his cowboy hat and he'd go flying, <laughs> and then he'd look at his he'd look at his tricep. You're, you're, wow, you're this having this too much fun like, with this. No, I don't mean to be having fun. It's a terrible idea. It's, it's not good television. It's probably shock factor TV. You know, it's amazing Vince Russo doesn't book this because he was the king of shock factor. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they would end up on network TV in this day and age. That sounds like something I would have saw at the Norvilla Hotel in the bar on a Thursday night when I used to watch Foxy Boxing. Yeah. Like, it just sounds like a bar. It sounds like a barroom promotion. It's than so stupid. And even Chris Nowinski weighed in on, on Twitter. He, he actually broke down a video of, of the guy being concussed. He's like, okay, so here he's gone to this posture. That means he's had... This has happened to him. He's he's clearly con- concussed and he's gone to this stance and he's like, it's so sad. And I agree, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And doesn't Dana White worry that that's going to put pressure on him that he could feel like UFC have... He, what's his role with the UFC? I know he's the president or whatever, but is he still a major principal owner? I didn't think he was. Uh, that I'm not sure of. I couldn't tell you. I'll have to look it up, but I believe he's okay. he is still a stakeholder for sure. Yeah, I, he's got to watch because people just decide they don't want to do business with him. And then all of a sudden their TV, con- like their media rights holders, and just say, as long as Dana White's involved in this, we're not going to be involved in this. He slaps his wife and then he has that terrible TV show where he, where they slap back and forth. It's not what people want to see in this day and age. I think it's a terrible idea, but uh, yeah, moving on. I, I That's all I would really want to say about Dana White. I, I, I think it's a bad judgment. Yeah, and and you were you were uh, rightly verklempt. You were l- rightly at a loss of words because it's like, like why like you you nailed it. This reminds me of like the early two thousands, like just stuff that was happening at like you said bars and stuff, just weird, macabre things that like I would not watch that. I w- I don't want to watch that. Anyway, Mike, enough about Dana White. I think it's time for us to go to a break. And we come back. Uh, well, I'm not even going to tell you what we're going to talk about. I'm going to hit you hard though. This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bees Cheese Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code BEESCHEESE. Again, the code is B-E-E-Z. S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. The Total Bees She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total Bees She's Show on Twitter at Total Bees She's, on Instagram at Total Bees She's, or search us on Facebook, Total Bees She's. All right, Mike, this is a topic we've talked about before a couple times, but I just, I have to, I have to talk, we have to talk about it. You know, I'm i I'm a stock, stock player. I play the stock market. I do 
for fairly well for myself. I haven't lost my shirt. So I'm a, you, you could say I'm a betting man, right? And I know that you, yeah. you, you yourself play the stock market. You're a betting man yourself as well. But I would lay down money. I would lay down hard-earned money to say that I see Mike Davidson running a show in 2023. And here's why. Because I know you've priced out a U.S. ring. I asked you last week about it, and you pretty much gave me a number like down to the dollar. <laughs> so tell us the truth, Mike. Uh, You're gearing up for you something. Have, you have some nerve to ask a question like that without warming me up in the break. Like when we were just stopped, you could have said, I'm going to ask you about this, but you didn't. Um, so I said last week that I looked at buying all-star wrestling about six months ago when it went up for sale, when Michelle star retired and I looked at an American ring to buy and, and it wasn't just me who looked at it. One of my buddies wanted to do it too. And we priced it out. It was a little, it was around $9,000, right? Now there's people who are going to say, Oh, you can build a ring for three. I don't want a homemade ring. Even if I trust the person who's welding it, even if I trust the guy who saw the ring from another guy and he's built it from the plans on his memory, I want, if I was going to buy a ring, it would be a professional ring with good, from a reputable builder. I want it to be a state of the art ring. I don't want it to be a state of someone's garage welding ring. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I did pray soda ring. Yeah, I did. I looked in, I wanted to know what all-star wrestling was selling for. I wanted to know what the strengths of that business were. And, and if I, and if it made sense at that time, maybe I would have looked at buying it and running all-star wrestling where I am and running all-star wrestling where it was already strong in BC. And then you've got two markets where all-star wrestling is running. You might have a, a bit of an advantage. Um, but it wasn't meant to be right now. I'm very tired out, very, you know, this is the time of year where I like to work a lot, make a lot more money so I can take it easy in the spring and summer. So I don't know. I, I, I don't mean to stonewall you, but I have, I have no idea why you would bet on me running a show. Well, even, even, even listener Scotty said on Twitter that he thinks you're going to be running here. He thinks you're going to be starting up and running again. I think he was busting my balls. I don't think, I don't think he, no, like, I think he just was making a statement. I got to be careful here because when I'm telling the listeners, Hey, I'm not going to be running. If I'm going to be running at some point, if I knew right now I was going to run and I came out and said, no, I'm not going to run. I would be creating a lack of credibility. Right? So let me answer extremely honest. Right now, I'm not running. I don't see a path to running. I don't see the, especially with the fourth company in play in Winnipeg. Now, that being said, last week I made the joke that if one of them called me to book, would I do it? Probably not, because I don't think too many local promoters are going to say, hey, you've got the book and we, you know, you're going to do it your way. I think that uh, it would, the minute I had the book and people were putting their hands on what I was saying, hey, this is the way we got to go. And they, oh, okay, yes. But this would make it even better. No, that's, I've never booked in that situation where somebody, where the peanut gallery is trying to take my idea and then make it better by adding to it. No, trust me, it's not, a, it's not fun. So I don't see myself running as a booker for another promoter. And I'm not, I, don't, I don't really see the path to run when there's four people running. You'd have to do something different or especially what do you, what am I going to do? Run with the same roster that's running on three other, four other shows. That'd be foolish. I don't see it. Now listeners, did you hear all those pregnant pauses as he was searching for the exact right words to dance around it? Yeah. I didn't dance around it. I, I said, I didn't see a path to running. All right. Fair enough. So <laughs> let's talk, let's talk about that because let's just talk about working with Mike Davidson. Some say working with Mike Davidson is difficult. It's hard. Uh, I mean, self-criticism time. Is that true? Well, you work with me. Is it hard to work with me? It's different. I wouldn't say it's hard. It's different. It's hard at first because you don't quite understand the vibe and then it gets easier with time. Once you understand the vibe, once you understand what you want, what Mike Davidson wants, and once you understand that you have to lay down boundaries as well, I don't think it's that hard to work with you. But I think initially it can be very difficult. Interesting. So we're on week 40 together. 
Yeah. You're telling me for the first 25 weeks, it was tough for you? No, like maybe the first three or four shows. Okay. Well, I don't know how hard it is to work with me. Like, I, I know that in my regular work day to day, my managers at one company I work for absolutely hate me because the clients love me and and I'm not nice to managers. I'm nice to clients and not to managers. Because In my opinion, managers have to be extremely efficient and run the company so well that you, I, I don't have time for deficiencies or dysfunction, right? Right. Um, I guess I could be tough to work with. I've never thought of it. I never step out of my own body and look at myself and and gauge how I am to work with. But I, I don't know that I'm a difficult guy to work with. I know that people keep hiring me on year-to-year contracts to keep working for them. So I would assume, no, I don't think I'm hard to work with. Why? Well, you know? all, the, all these things that I'm talking about are just things that have been said to me and I've written down and I've been meaning to bring, mm-hmm. to bring them up with you. So this other one that I have here is uh, that Mike Davidson has an opportunistic honesty. What would you say? What would you say to that? I haven't found that to be the case, by the way. But what would you say to that? Opportunistic honesty. It's a it's a good way to put it. It's a funny way to put it. That's a, that's a creative way of saying that I'm dishonest when it when it suits me and when it <laughs> when it suits when it benefits me. I'll I'll be honest. The polite way to call um, you a liar, I guess. Yeah, that's how I took it. Um, so my opinion on that would be everything I say on this podcast is exactly what I think in the moment, right? There's no dishonesty. This is who I am. This is exactly who I am. So uh, I wouldn't, you know, if somebody's saying, oh, well, in the past, like it's almost like this is a question of my reputation, right? Um, if somebody's saying, oh, in the past, in 2010, when Mike ran WFX, he, he was opportunistically honest. And that's not true. I was open, transparent. Every communication I had with somebody, I shook their hand at the end and that was honest right up until that handshake and that was the conclusion of the conversation. There was no benefit to me to be dishonest. There was, I had a great locker room chemistry, great leaders. I had no reason to lie. In 2007 or eight, maybe I would indicate there was more investment capital than there actually was or maybe I believed, or maybe I was told that and believed it. Um, I always tried to be honest and always tried to be, uh, always try to communicate through misunderstandings or if somebody has difficulty with something they think they were promised and it didn't come through, let's talk about it. Maybe we can fix it. Right. So I, I wouldn't say I'm opportunistic, opportunistically honest. I'd say I try to be regularly honest. Okay. So before so. we move on to the next one, you, you, you brought something up there. You said you thought you had more capital than you did, or perhaps you were sold on that idea. Do you think you were sold on the idea? Do you think you were snowed? Uh, um, in 05, I didn't understand the deal. I didn't. I was just told, hey, we're going to be selling a whole bunch of water, Canadian gold bottled water to China and Malaysia and a bunch of different countries. And, and the company is going to be making $700,000 a month. And, and from that, we're going to sponsor wrestling and you're going to have this much money to work with. And just bear with us. Uh, I, I think I was long for the ride. I think I believed it for the most part. And, and I found out the hard way that if it seems too good to be true, don't believe it. Um, in oh, That was in 05. In 08, 07, I knew he was undercapitalized. I knew he was scurrying. I scurrying like trying to rush. Um, and I knew that he had a vision to run in, or to be in Las Vegas and not be in Winnipeg. So, Yeah. It was undercapitalized. 2010, he had the capital. It was in the bank. The problem was CRA caught on to some financial dealings on how we raised the money. And um, and they were going to proceed with a criminal investigation, which eventually led to a some sort of tax violation that was criminal. And when they wanted to shut him down, they shut down the pipeline of money. He couldn't, he couldn't get money out of his bank account. And that's why we couldn't continue to running run. It wasn't that he didn't have the money. It wasn't that he didn't budget the money based on the projections I gave him. It was just that one day came and he could no longer get the money out of the bank to keep the business running. All right. And since this has turned into Mike Davidson's reputation segment, let's talk about this. <laughs> this is the last, You're amazing. the last one I've got written down here. Um, yeah, Mike Davidson was only good at one thing, and that's using investors' money to put himself over and make himself look good. Now, I want to before you respond to that. I want to say when I b- broke in 
to wrestling um, around 2002, 2003, that was the sentiment that I would hear from a lot of people that I thought were jealous, because I didn't know Mike Davidson back then. Uh, I I don't think I met you until sometime midway through 2003 or maybe even 2004. And that was, that was how I was introduced to Mike Davidson was that, Oh, Mike Davidson, he's just, he's just good at spending money to make himself look good. What do you say to that? Um, wow. This is a tough segment for me because it's, you know, this is what people are saying about you. What is the truth? Um, are you opportunistically honest? Now would be a good time to be opportunistically honest. Uh, so I always was believing that there was money to support a three or five year vision. And I was in the process of doing what I thought was right to grow the business over three to five years. Um, I loved my job and I never ever thought about doing it badly and if we, if the budget called to spend the money, I'll get in oh five oh six. So a lot of people actually say that about me because the, the show at the Marlboro, where I had Jerry Lawler, I knew I had Jerry Lawler booked, but because I knew we were trending towards a sellout, I decided to make it unadvertised attraction versus unadvertised attraction. And I was doing that to try to train the market that if we ever use the advertising piece featuring an advertised uh, an unadvertised attraction i wanted people to know oh that's huge one time it was jerry lawler right right so i was trying to condition the audience to understand that there's always an added value in every ticket um i don't i don't think that i i don't i never used investment capital to make myself look good it was always i was trying to build the brand of the day whether that was AWE or WFX. So no, I never, I never used the, the whole, I know, I just know. Okay. So That's would you like I my perspective on this? Cause I, I do have a Absolutely. You, you work with me. So you've just grilled me on my reputation. Now fill in the blanks. Here's my perspective on this, because like I mentioned, I knew you, I, I knew of you and then I knew you mm-hmm. and now I know you much better. I think what people perceive as Mike Davidson putting himself over is actually just the fact that you're proud of the accomplishments you've done. You've, you did some big things and I'm putting you over a little bit here. Don't get used to it, but like you, <laughs> you, you did some pretty big things. You were on the cusp of, you know, perhaps being in the conversation of a TNA or even better than a TNA. Um, you know, being the number three promotion in the world, that's a big deal and you should be proud of it. I think people, I think there's a lot of schadenfreude. I think there's a lot of sour grapes and I think there's a lot of people that the, the fact that you're proud of what you've done, uh, rubs them the wrong way. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of what you've done. You, I don't think you've ever used that to, to push anybody else down or to put it in their face. No, absolutely not. So in 2010, we were never going to be able to be on impact or TNA's level because they had Kurt Angle, they had Jeff Hardy, or, yeah, they had Jeff Hardy, they had Hulk Hogan, they had Sting. We were never going to be able to match that talent budget. What we were able to do was, at the same time, Ring of Honor, Terry Silken had decided to sell the company, and they lost HDNet before they were sold to Sinclair. They were floundering, and every and it looked like they were going to fold. We were by default moving into the number three spot. Let me tell you, Jeff Dick was. Ex- extremely happy as the owner of WFX. He was extremely happy to be in the number three spot. And six months after we started, which ultimately is when CRA shut us down for us to be number three in North America, we were on cloud nine, not cloud nine wrestling. You might not, but we were very happy with that. Um, I don't talk about that accomplishment to compare to any other thing. I've always said it would be difficult for me to go, to go work for the locals because the locals don't visualize the same way I do. It doesn't mean what I visualize is right. If you don't give me the investment capital to make it to that visualization, I'll fail. But the way the local companies run their local territory, they could never fail because they can afford to cover any loss that will be there because the maximum loss would probably be $500. And they, and they profit maybe 150, 200, $500 but there's a lot of work involved in profiting the $500. I'd rather go work a regular job for a week than the stress of promoting one wrestling show to profit $500. I would make more working my hours at my, at any of my jobs. So that's the way I, I think. 
the reputation thing gets to me only to one, maybe one percent of a thousand. It's I know people like to whisper and people like to say, oh, that's, you know, that's Mike. That's Mike. Like when Adam, they hit me. Oh, well, Mike's a river. Mike did this to me. He's never once accounted for the fact I didn't do it to him and he punched the wrong guy. I sent him a text a week ago telling him to hang in there. I heard he was going through a hard time. Do you think he would say, oh, well, you know, that's a nice text. I'll respond. No, because the guy's stuck in his own world and he's an idiot. Um, <laughs> most times where people think I have a bad reputation is because I said, hey, that guy's an idiot for doing an idiot, idiotic thing. That doesn't make me have a bad reputation for having an opinion. It's them who can't handle my opinion. Oh, well, Mike's this, and Mike's, oh, Mike's dishonest. Go fuck, your, go fuck yourself. Go fees yourself. Get over yourself. I, if I had a bad reputation, could I work for the, hey, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers draw the most fans to a sporting event in Manitoba, more than the Jets. Could I work for them for, uh, I've I worked there since 2015. I've gone to a great cup as they're on their ticket. Like not a, not in the ticket, but to stand on the sidelines and work for the team. On their could I do that if I had a, yeah? Could I do that if I had a bad reputation? Could I handle a contract with Spirit Halloween for ten years running if I had a bad reputation? Trust me, in the trenches, those people would understand. Hey, this guy, his word isn't very good. His credibility isn't very good. They wouldn't do business with me if I if that was the case. It's not me who has the credibility issue. It's actually the local wrestling industry that fails to establish its credibility properly that has an issue with, with credibility. It's not me. I don't mean to like, it's not scapegoating. The fact is in, in 2005, Jeff Dick was investing what he believed he had to make independent wrestling in Winnipeg better. I was his chosen guy to build it in 2007, eight, same thing. He believed in local wrestlers more than local wrestlers believe in themselves. And he invested in them. But they always want to say there was a credibility issue. Well, and then they, then he went to jail because he built the investors. No, he didn't go to jail for building the investors. The investors actually like him. The, the investors aren't mad at him for the loss because the guy was swinging for the fences. There's a lot of people that can love a guy for swinging for the fences. So if you take if you say, well, he's got a credibility gap, and because Mike was his guy, that means Mike's got a credibility gap. You missed the point. So it's funny that I know why this got brought up on this episode, because you've got, you know, there's emails that, oh, you know, Mike, Mike's being true to Mike, Mike, yeah. you know, we've seen this for Mike before. They don't know. And they, and they always expose themselves as not knowing when they send emails like that. And I don't take it personally. I just continue to go on with my life that I consider to be busy and rewarding. And I don't worry about what they say. So, but I love that you gave me the chance to talk about it and you approached it in a funny way. And I, for a brief one second, I felt like I was under attack, but true to form, you were very good. And if anybody has a question about my reputation, ask it in the Mary, Mary Brown's mailbag. I'm happy to be completely honest, not opportunistically honest, but completely honest. Thank well, you. Well, now that Mike Davidson has been thoroughly grilled, I think it is time for the Mary Brown's mailbag. Mary Brown's Chicken, Crave Delicious. Who has 14 Manitoba locations? Mary Brown's Chicken. Who only uses Manitoba chicken? Mary Brown's Chicken. And who only uses Manitoba-grown potatoes hand-cut in-store? I bet you've already guessed. Even Mary Brown's coleslaw is made fresh in-store from whole carrots and cabbage. Download Mary Brown's app today and take advantage of money-saving deals and even a secret menu. You can order ahead to get your Mary Brown's faster. Mary Brown's Chicken. Crave delicious. Mike, have you had a chance to go to Mary Brown's lately? Oh, yeah, of course I have. Boy. <laughs> I go there at least once a week now. Yeah, it's it's same here, and it's turning into a bit of a, a Mary Brown's addiction. I go on Mondays. I go on Mondays because it's Big Mary Monday. Big Mary Monday, yeah, absolutely. You know, I should be. I, I'm really sleeping on that because I, usually when I go, yeah. honestly, I go Thursdays. You know, uh, Thursday evenings. A lot of times, I'll I'll run to Mary and Brown's. and you pay full and you pay and you pay full pop unless you keep your receipt and do the survey. Then you get a discount on your next visit. Yeah, you nailed it. That's where I was going with it. Do the do the survey on your on your receipt and get yourself a discount next time. Yeah, and oh. if you download the app, you get your own menu. Like it's 
I sound like I'm trying to sell Mary Brown, but I'm, that's honestly when I go, what I do. So I'm just telling you my story. All right. Well, since we are in the Mary, Mary Brown's mailbag, let's open up that mailbag. You can get your questions on the Mary Brown's mailbag by emailing us totalbushes at gmail.com. On Twitter, using the hashtag Mary Brown's Mailbag, we will find it there as well. Instagram and Facebook, just search Total Bees and slide into those DMs, baby. All right, this one is from Dave Cote on Twitter, using the hashtag, hashtag Mary Brown's Mailbag. He says, Mike, how would you convince a local wrestler to be exclusive and to buy into your vision, growing your brand over everyone else in today's current group who would you target? So that's kind of a two-part question, I guess. <laughs> well, I'd threaten to ridicule them if they didn't go exclusive. And if they didn't see my vision, I'd tell them they were stupid. No. Um, it would be very tough in Winnipeg because the leaders of the pack are AJ and Mentolo, and they've set the, they've set the practice of they're going to work for everybody. So then everybody underneath them says, if it's good enough for Mentolo and it's good enough for AJ, it's good enough for me. Um, I think what I would be looking at doing is I would be communicating with the talent. I would be talking about the vision. I'd be trying to understand what they needed from me to focus on my, on my vision, on my company. And if I couldn't get through to them, I wouldn't sweat it. And I would, Go, I would work within what I could, meaning if I had to use talent that wasn't exclusive, that would be fine because I know I can be more creative than the average person and I would use the create the creativity to be my edge. But ideally, I would do much better if the talent was if the talent believed in me as much as I believe in them. That's when the marriage works. Uh, who would I target? I, I think we're talking Winnipeg talent. Yeah, maybe locally. we're talking Western. Maybe we're talking Western Canada. Let's expand um, it to that. Let's expand it to Western Canada. I think one of the guys that I would look at is uh, Scotty Mack. If I could get him, if the trans worked out, the trans is likely not going to work out though. Um, there's a guy right now who isn't taking a lot of bookings and because he's not, maybe he's prepared to be exclusive and loyal. Tyler Colton. Oh yeah. Maybe he's good enough. Maybe he could be your heavyweight champion if he's if he's only going to work for you. That might be a perfect fit. Tommy Lee Curtis is. Well, I guess he works at WPW and he's showing up at CWE, so he's going to you know runs the risk of burning out his face. Um, whoever it is, it's got to be somebody you feel a lot of confidence in to be your top guy. Again, the only way you're going to get exclusivity is outperform the other the other three promoters. In this case, it's a four dog race. You got to win the competition so that everybody wants to work with you, and you can't be desperate to get exclusivity. You're, I want exclusivity. No, I'm not going to give you exclusivity. Okay, I might not always book you then. Fair. There's going to be times where you think you're booked or you want to be booked, and I'm just going to tell you I don't have a spot that night. I will give to you everything I want to give to you and promise to you, but I want you to give me your best in return. If 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 we're not going to get to that level, we're doing a disservice to each other. All right, there we go. Um, this one coming into our email, to our inbox, totalbshes at gmail.com from Jen. Jen asks, since Mark Briscoe has been allowed to be on AEW to do a tribute to his brother, do you think Tony Khan is going to start booking him and booking him strong? Well, in the past, he's kind of failed with everybody that he's tried to book strong because I don't think he knows how to book. Um, I think he should use... Mark Briscoe, I think he's going to find the right spot for Mark Briscoe. Um, I, I don't know how to use him right now other than to, to you know, get a react or a sympathetic reaction from the people because his brother died untimely. But find a spot for him because I'm sure he's going to be a very talented guy as a solo artist now as opposed to being in a tag team. So I, I think it should work. I, I, I think he should push him. but push him within reason. Yeah, you know, I would love to see a series between him and uh, Dax Harwood, for example, because um, he, he did a fair amount of uh, singles work this year. and was Yeah, that's an, interesting that's an interesting idea. But then, remember, you don't have the payoff of FTR versus the Briscoe brother, right? 
No, you just so, have the you just have the one versus one thing, and I don't know. You could, I'm sure you could build something, but then you then you're risking breaking up FTR, and you don't want to do that. And they don't want to break up; they want to be a tag team from soup to nuts, basically from the start to the end. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting thing. I think right now, get as much out of Mark Briscoe being on TV with the sympathy on him, and then figure out where you're going from there. That would be the way to do it. Yeah, and he can he can work like we, you saw in that match. And if you've ever watched any of ROH or if you have the Honor Club, you can go back and check out some of those matches. He is able he's able to do it. He's able to do it at a high level too. So I I I think the I think the future is bright for him. It's awful what happened, obviously, um, terrible. Mm-hmm. But I think the future is, is bright for him. Absolutely, I think um, yeah, I think he right now what he should do is just focused on working and focused on the fans are going to be behind him. focused on that and turn it, turn a very bad tragedy into the best case scenario out of that. You can. There you have it. All right, Mike, do you have anything else before we get on down the dusty trail? Uh, I hope you feel better. I hope that the independent promoters continue to draw. I think all four guys heard their positive today and they all probably heard what I think their negative is. They're not going to care. They don't care what I say. But um, I think that I think that wrestling is going in the right direction in this market. That excites me. There we go. Exciting times coming in Winnipeg wrestling. If you want to grill Mike Davidson, get at us in our inbox. And that's another edition of the Total Douche Show. Well, the boss called me up and said, "Come in to work." I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the romper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the Iron Claw as only the Vaughn Eriks can? Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I'd like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late, I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way,
way, St. Pete. Are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?